turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Rob Black talking money, investing more. It's stock talk. Um, how to get ahead in life. How to figure out the economy. Things along those lines. That's what I try to do on this show. Not always successful, but I try to be. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, Let's bring in a phone call. 800-516-1220. Who do we got? Emilio. Emilio, how are you? Hey, Rob. Good show. Obviously, brick and mortar is going more online buying to, uh, I guess, compete against Amazon, among others. Is is it fair to say that UPS and FedEx is pretty much a no-brainer to buy? As an um, yes and no, yes and no. Are you a big Amazon consumer? No. No. Okay. Some sometimes if you take a look around on Saturdays and Sundays, not only will you see UPS, um, but you'll see FedEx, but you'll also see on occasion the U.S. Post Office, and on occasion you'll go, I don't recognize that delivery company. Um, so it is changing up for sure. Um, I would say you still want to. There's no doubt about it. You're right. We're moving into more of what would be referred to as a delivery economy. Do you own UPS? No, I have Amazon, though. Okay, good for you. I think Amazon still, believe it or not, has upside because I think there's a lot of categories that they haven't even bothered introducing, like tickets. They're still working on the drone delivery. They haven't mastered that yet. I don't even know if that'll ever happen. And to to my point, I don't really care because, like I kind of hinting at, they could do concert tickets. They've got the money to do it. They can do the NFL. They're doing some games this year. They've got the money to do it, and that'll push something. They're not using it to get the hardcore fans. They're doing it to get some new business. Where do you put Um, Amazon? Is that a tech stock or a retail? Um, I think it's both. I think it's both. to me it's a disrupt. Yeah. To me it's a disruptor. And thanks for the call. UPS just got upgraded recently to buy from Neutral at Citigroup. And again, I don't base my investment decisions on that, but I'll certainly take a look at it. UPS is considered a transport company, like Southwest or like airplanes, like trains, like automobiles. UPS is tied towards the transporting of our economy. Um, you know, I would say anytime you can get UPS or FedEx, very similar companies, I would compare them to each other. Um, recently, UPS had an earnings outlook that failed to live up to high expectations. Keep in mind, you know, they are tied towards cost of labor and sometimes tied towards costs of um, energy. 
but it's a good solid company. It does have a union in it, which is both a good thing and a bad thing. They have qualified workers, yes, but they also have a union that wants you know healthcare and you know good things for their employees. Um, worldwide operations were moving more and more towards a delivery economy. In fact, I was reading an article recently tied towards the delivery economy. The downside on the delivery economy a lot of times are UPS workers, FedEx, and others are you know you know the, you know the companies like um, Amazon Prime and companies Grubhub that'll deliver food for you, DoorDash. They're 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 low paying. And not only are drones, in theory, coming to the delivery world, but self-driving cars as well. Um, so the delivery economy is a workforce that's growing so fast that government statistics can't really keep up with them. Food delivery once was tied towards just pizza and Chinese. Now, if your sugar booger goes out of town, you can order yourself a nice steak, mashed potatoes, uh, some corn, have it delivered to you, and it's still pretty piping hot, where in the past... Maybe you'd go pick it up in a best-case scenario. Now it's being brought to you. So we're in a delivery economy. The idea that virtually the entire world of retail and dining is available to consumers, it's a whole new world, as a Disney princess once said. Yelp recently announced it was selling its Eat24 service to Grubhub for $287 million and part of its uh, you know, uh, competitors out there, Uber Eats, Postmates, DoorDash, Restaurants are jumping on the bandwagon, too. In July, Pizza Hut said they're going to hire 14,000 delivery drivers. And again, delivery drivers, let me you know, pound this point. Low-wage low jobs, more often than not. No. UPS and FedEx are the cream of the crop of delivery, per se. So I think we live in a new-age delivery. Um, I often joke that at times someone could now, I could order food and Amazon will pay someone to deliver it, but the, Amazon will also pay someone to chew it and spit it in my mouth so I don't even have to chew. Um, it's how people live their lives. Um, you know, if you are a soccer manager and you just look at your inventory because soccer games are getting ready to start, you're like, oh man, I need soccer balls. Do I go to Getz Brothers? Do I go to, and you, you start going, I don't even know if that, that, you know that sports to a sports authority is it even still open ah heck i'll just get it on amazon people are always on their phones they're expecting stuff to be delivered to them they're expecting not to leave their homes it's just not about the urban office workers it's about the small towns across america as well um there's been a lot of success in smaller markets which once would have been more limited mobile delivery and takeout account for about 60 percent of all restaurant traffic in 2016 so food delivery is the hottest commodity, but some of the same services you know, bring out other things like makeup and pet food and dry cleaning and alcohol. It's meals you know, that are brought to the doorsteps throughout the nation that are changing how people eat. So let me repeat that again. Food delivery remains the hottest commodity. Food, mobile, delivery, mobile delivery and takeout account for 60% of all restaurant traffic. The business depends on deliverers such as, um, who, you know, Employees who will work 40 to 50 hours. Um, how much do you make? Sometimes if there's tips or not tips, it's kind of you know going to change things. But there's also, we live in a delivery economy where we need to start thinking about the people who are delivering it. Bicycles, crashes, potholes on their cars. Customers not where they say they'll be. Unpredictable weather. You get. I got home from a trip not too long ago, and I order a lift, and the lift driver... He circled the airport three or four times and then just gave up because he couldn't figure out how to get to the international terminal. Um, so 
obviously demand for delivery is going to you know vary by city to city. But I would say, you know, going back to your original com- question on UPS, it's a great company. Um, it offers a nice 401k plan. They made their 401k plan, you know, tied towards their non-union employees. Um, they said that they may f- freeze some of their pension plans. Uh, valuation is reasonable at about 15 times forward earnings, 17 times this year's earnings. Again, I think you would want to compare them with FedEx. Um, I'm, I'm, I would say I would lean long on both of them if you're a long-term patient investor. Um, but again, that's up to you. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Consult a broker advisor for taking action on mentioned stock mentions. Certainly the delivery cottage is not going to go away. And Do I see UPS in business in 10, 15 years? I do. I don't see drones and cars, self-driving cars, but I'm out of business. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. Welcome in, Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. I do seminars with mosquitoes. So anytime I do a seminar, I unleash thousands of mosquitoes to basically infect you with diseases, which I'm immune to. Found out the other day I'm not immune to poison oak. So that's not a good. I'm immune to poison ivy, but not poison oak. And California's got more poison oak than poison ivy. Um, so I want to ask you, Tony, you recently bought a home. And I think it's a stressful situation. Uh, you bought another home. You're a multi-home owner at this point in time, as am I. And it's a difference between buying it in your 20s, your 30s, your 40s. As you get older, like the process is just mentally, psychologically different. Um, I remember, you know, there's questions you should ask your spouse before buying a home. And then there's just like, I hate you. This is the conversation you have with your spouse. I hate you. I don't want anything to do with your house buying decisions. The last house you bought was made out of balsa wood and it floated away in a storm. And you're like, did your spouse buy a house made out of balsa Yes. Um, so buying your first home is incredibly exciting. And you're like, let's make love in every room. And by the time you're in your third house or your fourth house, you're like, I hate you. I hate you. I'm going to figure out what to buy on my own house. The house is a big purchase. Brings in a lot of hurdles. Um, it, it brings in your significant other pretty significantly. How long do you plan to live there is a big question. You bought a home recently where there's really not an answer to that question. Whereas early on in your life, you probably would have had that conversation of like, how long are we going to live here before we move out to the West Coast? How long are we going to live here before we have babies? But you're kind of past that. So you basically bought a house without the question of how long are you going to live there? It's more of a, like a question for you of like, will I ever live here? Am I yeah. going to die here? It was an investment, so I was more kind of the math and kind of a hybrid investment, maybe retirement, maybe retirement, but yeah. it, it was also a play into locking in lower interest rates and home prices were rising in this city, and um, and it played out where the rents are also r- rising and vacancies are at the lowest they've ever been in this city. So I, I did my research and um, similar to the the other property that. Um, that we bought and it's worked out well. And that's what it is. I mean, investors follow the trends, they follow the, the money, they follow the rents and they follow, you know, some where the, it makes sense. Some of the questions that you're supposed to ask your spouse before buying a home together is like, 
do you see yourself building a family in this house? And like, my answer is no. I see myself having multiple affairs while you're on a business trip. <laughs> no, I see myself putting a security camera in so I can catch you having multiple affairs. I can justify my multiple affairs. <laughs> Second or third house, you're, you're there, right? Yeah. Um, how much house can you afford is a big question that younger people have that later on in life, you're like, I wish I would have bought more house. That's, that's actually the, one of the top five mistakes, or not mistakes, but regrets that people have buying houses. They didn't buy more. And you know why they have that regret? Because they didn't go bankrupt. Had they gone bankrupt, they said, would have said, I wish I would have bought smaller. Yep. But early on, you're like, how much house can we afford, honey? Mm-hmm. Isn't that kind of sweet to look back at the innocence of some of these questions that you're supposed to ask early on? So, uh, surprisingly, though, uh, those are the questions that people run across. Those are but the no, issues. But no, it's not. By the time you're in your 40s, you're like, I want to drink another whiskey and forget about you and your ugly teeth. Oh, yeah. Two or and, three houses in. Yeah. It's, and my it's, fat Oompa Loompa kids. I want a basement so they can play in the basement and I'm going to put rubber walls on it so they don't break stuff. Like you honestly start thinking, should I get a basement for your Oompa Loompas? Love this question. Are we looking for a fixer-upper, or do we want to pay a premium price? Like that's the that's the question that should be. It's the question is: Are we looking for a fixer-upper, or do you want to pay a premium price? Like I'm looking at some real estate right now, and the, the realtor is like, "Oh no 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 no! If you want to be near the beach, oh you are going to pay two million dollars. There's it's, no there's no fixer-uppers. Fixer-uppers are two million dollars. Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's another mistake that people make, or they underestimate the cost of of a fixer-upper. For example, you may pay a premium price, let's say a million dollars, or you buy something for nine hundred thousand dollars. It's fixer-upper, but you end up spending one hundred fifty. So th- that is another big mistake. The thing about fixer-uppers, especially in a market like San Francisco or any hot market, for that matter, is the sellers are saying, are being advised by the realtors, you don't need to fix this up. You don't need to stage it. You don't do anything. You're going to get top dollar for this property. Somebody's going to consider a fixer up. Or you're going to get, the price itself will bring in a lot of offers. And next thing you know, you put $150,000 into it when you could have just bought something already fixed up. So that's a big mistake. In life, are you typically looking for fixer uppers? When you're looking for a spouse, are you like, <laughs> she would be pretty great if her belly was, yeah. you know. I, I hate saying this. This um, she would be great statement. if she had thirty-two teeth. Pe- people yourself. would rather spend more money on something they like than less something on that they don't like. I would not recommend a fixer-upper for a first-time homebuyer. I dated a girl once who was a bit of a fixer-upper. Her leg by her thigh looked like a dog had chewed on it for weeks. It's not fixer-uppers are overrated. Fixer-uppers are overrated. Some people prefer a house they can add their own touches to, while others would rather walk into a house that's perfect for them without having to change a thing. Um, yeah, fixer-uppers are a little bit of a myth, too. You know, a realtor's going to be like, well, it's a little bit of a fixer-upper. It's off. Pr- what they're really trying to say is someone who's 90 years old has lived in the house for the last 60 years, and they haven't done anything in 40 years. So just be prepared for that bathroom. could also mean cracked foundation that you don't know about or termite damage that you eventually open up a wall to, to build a bigger kitchen and you end up spending twice as much. So fixer uppers do come with some risk. There's no doubt about it. It's un- unfortunately, it costs a lot of money to find that all out and you have to be experienced. Again, first time home buyers um, increased risk when you go into fixer upper. Gotcha. So what is this? How will we save for miscellaneous house expenses? Is that a question you and your spouse have? So like you just, got a second or third house and there's going to be some miscellaneous costs that come in. 
It could be a yard that needs to be fertilized. Right. So my, my strategy as an, an investor is to take the profits and build up an escrow, not an escrow, but a bank account that has a buffer. And I usually put it about 10 grand. Of course, you have a uh, that's going to cover you any insurance. I like that you say 10 grand. It's, well, I say $10,000. Okay. 10 grand. 10K. You want me to say different? Uh, you can say thousand ones. I don't know. Whatever you want. Uh, $10,001 bills. And I use that as a as a buffer, and I don't tap into that. I always have that money there in case something goes wrong. Um, it would be unwise for an investor to not it's, have that kind of funds available. It's funny, because as I've gotten older, the discipline is clearly broken in me. And how are we going to save for miscellaneous house expenses? I'm like, why didn't you stop going to restaurants? <laughs> For three months, we'd have a million dollars. We could do whatever we want. I guess that's the difference between somebody who says they wish they got bigger or they wish they got smaller. Right. Is, can they make the sacrifices? Or are they really serious about buying? I mean, you've seen people who bought houses that can't even buy furniture. Well, money's not as important to me as it is to other people. And like having these questions and answers with your spouse is important. But again, I think it's kind of silly because to think that you fall into one category of, of question and answers or one category of, of how much can you afford or one category... Like all this advice is thrown out the window for most people. It's Tony Mendez. You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. Ask him about the place he just bought. Ask him about refinancing your home. Ask him about areas that he think are the next big thing. Find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. Find me at RobBlackShow.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I've been doing financial media for holy mackerel now. A long time, uh, 20 years. Whoa. I know. Donald Trump's going to give me the Medal of Freedom. And uh, well deserved. So I don't feel like it. I feel um, young, all things considered. Uh, when I was a child, I did childish things. No, when I was a child, I remember um, I had an Atari 2600 and it was super important to me. Uh, you know, when you're a child, something's become, you get an emotional strength bond to, and then when someone tries to take it away, you'll almost cry. It's kind of where I was. And I remember seeing the first time I remember I was in a pizza place, like a village pizza that the first time I ever saw pong and you put a quarter in and you'd see like a little table tennis go back and forth. And, uh, then there was a gun shoot one. Um, and then you, you start getting into space invaders and such. And I was instantly, I loved it. That was my entertainment. Some kids watched cartoons, not me. I was all about the video games. Because my father was in the military, there was a lot of arcades, you know. The military does a nice job of, hey, you go to war and you put your life in danger, but we'll give you cheap clothes at the Postal Exchange, the PX. We'll give you a lot of perks, a nice retirement plan. We'll give you arcades and stuff like that. Uh, but the soldiers got the arcades, but the the kids, the parents got to go in too, you know, kind of thing. So it was the right time, the right place. And I really got to like, like see it. And I remember doing a radio show 20 years ago. My boss, uh, he was violently insane of which he's called me about six, seven years ago, crying in the middle of the night, telling me that I owed him because I went on to be super successful and he ended up going bankrupt essentially. Um, calls me and basically threatens to kill me if I don't give him money. Um, violently crying, like hearing a, 60-year-old guy cry is not the most comfortable thing in the world. Um, so I instantly called my local police department and I said, if I ever do a 911, this is what it's all about. And so they put me in the computer system. If Rob ever does a 911, we know that there's some people out there that 
Anyway, um, so I played video games, and it was one of the things that I can talk about. He put me on air. Um, you know, I got on air. I had a situation where I was doing little one-minute updates, then two-minute updates, and I was doing two per hour, so that's four minutes, and I was doing two hours, so that's only eight minutes, and I was doing 12 minutes. And in the radio, what you learn to do is you say yes. And, you know, with CNBC, I'd go up there as an analyst, and, you know, they'd say, can, you know, thinks that was a great hit. Can you possibly do Christmas Eve? I'd be like, sure. Can you, can you do New Year's Eve? I'm like, yeah. So when you were having sex and being young and getting drunk and having New Year's Eve and finding people to marry and make babies with, I was working and developing my business. But the topics that I would come up with were things along the lines of video games because there was companies that were publicly traded like Activision, Electronic Arts, and NVIDIA that you know were playing into that. Video games have come a long way since Mario and Yoshi, which for the record, I've never really, really liked Mario and Yoshi because... I believe in, I believe they're illegal immigrants and I think we should build a wall and keep Mario and Yoshi out. Uh, Yoshi needs to be spayed and neutered and Mario just needs to stay out because, well, he's Italian and, you know, he's not Italian like Italian American. He's Italian like, well, you know, like Guido, like he might whack me or something like that. So, um, the video game industry's grown up. It's got 1.5 billion players across consoles, PCs, and mobile devices. So 20 years ago, I'd do a segment about Activision, and I'd, do, and I'd say, uh, revenue's growing faster than the stock market. Revenue's growing faster than the average company. Revenue's growing faster than Duke Energy. And people would be like, slow down, Rob, slow down. I get it. You're excited. You got something to say. And now there's 1.5 billion users. Whoa. Not too long ago, back then, there was 150 million users, and the proposition grows bigger and bigger and bigger. In South Korea, they can sell out an arena of 18,000 people to watch people play video games. Um, Amazon spent a billion plus dollars on a a, a website called Twitch, where you can watch people play video games. There's a video game right now that's not even out yet that's pulled in over $400 million in revenue because people are watching other people play video games. And it's basically an island adventure that... The Last Man Standing, 100 people start on it. So think Hunger Games. And you get to watch people sneak up and knife each other. And there's an incredible voyeuristic thing going on there where you're like, ooh, watch out, watch out, he's behind you, he's got a knife. And as you progress, you get better and better weapons and such. But again, 1.5 billion people. And here's where I use Tony Mendez, Bay Area Loan Source.com. Tony. Yes. Um, are video games cheap? Yes. Let's answer that. Edit that out. Tony, are video games cheap? No. There you go. They cost a lot of money. <laughs> Having a rig. Maybe happy. the games I buy are, are cheaper. They're 40 to 60 bucks. Sure. Um, you know, the industry is going to pull in $109 billion by the year 2020. And you look at the top video games sales, and they top the top movie sales. So the top movie of all time, whether it be Avatar or Star Wars, depending on inflation, such like that. You get video games that do way better than that on a pretty consistent basis. And when you look at the credits of video games, they're just like the credits of uh, movies, where at the end of a movie, you know what that's called when they do the credits? No. Wait for it. Wait for it. It's called The Crawl. Um, so The Crawl out of movies used to take, if you go back, if you watch something from the 1970s this weekend or the 19, early 80s, uh, let's say you go watch Pretty in Pink. Don't you forget about me. Um... So you've watched Pretty in Pink this weekend with John Hughes, or... Uh, I think that was Breakfast Club, by the way. Okay, don't let the facts get in the way of a good story. That's the first rule of, of journalism. Um, so, Breakfast Story. You go watch back and watch Breakfast Story. 
watch the crawl, and the crawl will last one minute. And now if you go to a movie theater crawl, like of a Marvel superheroes movie, ten minutes, like ten minutes, yeah. and they put movies inside of the crawl. Same thing with video games. Um, so, hundred and nine billion dollar market. And let's let's play a game. Let's play video game investments. Are you ready with me? Ready. I'll, do, I'll do one. You do one. I'll do Electronic Arts. Your turn. Nvidia. AMD. Microsoft. Ooh, that's a good one. Activision. Amazon. Take two. Come on, come on. Um, Blizzard. Mm, Is that that's that part of Activision? Okay. Um, I already said Nvidia. You could probably do GameStop. GameStop. But no one does GameStop because they're cartridges and such like that. So it, it, it hits home runs and it strikes out. It hits home runs and it strikes out. But the one that I'm kind of fascinated with is Take-Two Interactive. They do the Grand Theft Auto games. Now, okay, we just played a game and it didn't last terribly long. We didn't get 30 minutes of content out of it. We got like eight names out. And then let's go back and in our head say to ourselves, how much... How many people? And you start playing this game in your head of how many people and, um, you know, how big of a market? $109 billion. $109 billion. And so the video game market is getting, you know, you could probably throw in Sony. Take two interactive TTOWO. I saw the, the newest video. If you go uh, to YouTube and type in Take Two and punch in Red Dead Redemption, they're making a, a, a kind of a sequel to that game or a prequel. They're making prequels to video games. Does that not tell you everything? Um, and you go around on a horse and you shoot people. And it's probably not politically correct because it's kind of awesome. Grand Theft Auto, if you take a look at it, when they just did one in L.A. not that long ago, it actually is mapped out L.A. Um, so it's pretty photorealistic. It's pretty awesome. Um, and kids aren't going to walk away from this at any point in time. And with virtual reality, I think virtual reality is going to kick up the dollars um, and kick up the, the whole spin. You can get a little intimidated by it. Can by you? It. I, I do. Okay. Um, you know, I don't. I don't have a console. I like PC. Yep. And I haven't played PC in a while, so I, I have a feeling that even if I did plug in a game, it wouldn't work uh, with my um, with oh, my you can video card. That. Pretty sure it wouldn't work, and my computer would just fry trying to play it. So it's not only the game that you have to buy, but you have to keep upgrading your computer if you're right. a PC guy. That's why I think console is very popular because you just, you know, the, the console is already built to handle the game. Right. Um, of course, they, they upgrade those, you know, for more memory and so on. I think they're two very different beasts. Yeah. I think, you know. Um, I can't play a console game. I, I think console, plug, console, console games for keyboard. sports are awesome. Whereas PC sports games are, are miserable. Yeah. Whereas you can do first-person shooter, I think PC is a better experience for me. But you put the joystick in the hand of a eight-year-old kid, and he's going to know how to hit fourteen different buttons because kids have more fingers today than they did when we, you and I were growing up. <laughs> but the game, the industry's moved. Looks from, that way, doesn't it? The move industry's moved from physical to digital. And for instance, there's a new Star Wars coming out that you can get through Steam, or you can get it through Electronic Arts Origin, and the profit margins, the gross margins, are eighty plus percent. And when you take a look at Battlefront on YouTube, Battlefront 2, it's pretty amazing. And you actually feel like you're in an X-Wing going up against um, Darth Vader. And it's a nice, pretty good experience. And when they put that in virtual reality, which I don't want to do the virtual reality experience until it's legit. 
To me, that's like going through a bad Halloween scare house versus a real Halloween scare house. I want the real one. I don't want the... I want the one that takes you two days that you might get trapped in that there might be real ghosts. I don't want the one with the, the guy who's a, you know wearing bloody teeth from CVS. I don't want that one. Don't want that one at all. So, so anyway. So, I just threw on the Star Wars Battlefront Death Star teaser trailer for you. It looks um, interesting. It looks like the game. And yeah, it looks good. In it looks like world, a movie. You're in that world. Do we have a time? Oh, 30 seconds. 15. Okay. Um... So the industry's growing fast, and the margins are at 80% gross margins because it's digital. Electronic Arts, Take-Two, Activision, NVIDIA, AMD, uh, Microsoft's a player, Sony's kind of a player, and that's about it. Teach. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Talking money, investing, and more. I don't try to predict the markets. I don't try to go back and say I'm smarter than you. I don't think I'm smarter than you. I think I work harder than you. I don't tell you, and I definitely don't run commercials. Like, do you know when the market's going up? Do you know when the market's going down? Do you have a plan in a good market? Do you have a plan in a bad market? Do you have blah, 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 blah? Um, listen, if you can get 7% guaranteed returns in real estate, you'd be a fool not to. You'd be a fool to assume that a commercial tells you they can get 7% returns in real estate. It's pretty foolish. Uh, let's audit that. Show me audited returns. And uh, let's see, you know, audited results. So, because they don't exist. So be cautious. Says you're pretty soapy wise. Wolves may lurk in every guise. So talk a little bit about the tech forecast on how much media we're consuming. Digital media, whether it be video services like Netflix and Hulu or audio. Um, there's a lot going on. The speaker battles and the great digital assistant wars, which they're on. And, uh, I've enjoyed watching Siri go from a blathering idiot to, or a total blathering idiot to just a blathering idiot and can't wait till it just becomes an idiot. Uh, but moving forward, big influencers on the web, consumers are dramatically increasing the time spent watching digital video. So we know that's happening. Um, average time spent per visit by platform. So on YouTube, it's about six minutes. On social video, it's about two minutes. Um, and that's going to grow, um, in my opinion. Social video, which is Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, YouTube, downloads. Um, and then you get like the super video, which, you know, again, is more like the Netflix. Uh, and Hulu's a small percentage of creators drive the majority of views on YouTube. Uh, if you have kids who are into Minecraft, there are some obnoxious Minecraft videos that that seems to be all they watch. I like the scare videos. I don't know why. Today I'll be having a salad, and uh, if you can come up with the, like the scariest scare videos of 2017 or the scariest scare videos of third quarter 2017, or the scariest scare videos of 2018, like. I like watching people scared. Don't know, don't know what that means. But uh, Pennywise the Clown is always around. So out there, if you evaluate extensive tubular data, um, and I'm talking tubular data, you know, you get 10 million views. Approximately 25% of the creators account for over 70% of the views. So there are channels and there are stars on YouTube and on Facebook. 
I post a Facebook Live video every Friday, and I'm not getting a lot of traction with it. I post it on my Facebook page, Cron4 Rob Black, on my Rob Black page, um, on the KDOW.biz page on Facebook. It doesn't get a lot of traction, but it's growing. But I'm not a big influencer. The web video head is primarily influencing media companies. So um, if I were to give you some of the stars on YouTube, you'd be like, no way. Uh, Bethany Moda. You're like, who? Rosanna Pansino. Um Best friend versus girlfriend or boyfriend versus girlfriend. They're on YouTube and they play pranks on each other. Uh, Shane Dawson. Jake Paul. I know you're saying, who are these people? Right. Um, KSI. Uh, Yuya. So these are real people who are making real dollars off the, you know, the gaming world of YouTube, the comedy world of YouTube, the people in blogs world of YouTube, the how-to uh, style your hair this way or how to wear a tie correctly or how to um, make your pants that just came out of the dryer stretch enough because they've all the fibers have tightened. The secret is to put a little bit of water around the stretch uh, tight areas, typically your waist and thighs. So top media company creators basically are YouTube. They dominate. So... Uh, in entertainment, who's number one on YouTube? Alan. Then you start getting into BuzzFeed. Then you start getting into The Tonight Show with Jimmy. Um, later, you get into Jimmy Kimmel and other players, right? In the musical scene, you know, Bieber's number one. Then you get Katy Perry and Taylor Swift and Rihanna and Shakira, Shakira, Shakira. Um, I wish I could sing. I cannot. So news on YouTube. Who's the winner? Um, it's no one you've ever heard of. The Young Turks. It's ABC. Well, you've heard of ABC. It's Inside Edition and CNN. So, you know, the top media companies are creators on Facebook. Uh, for sure, for sure. Um... And they're companies that you've never heard of, like BuzzFeed and Fail Army, uh, Brightside and Nine Gag, and uh, for news and politics, you know, you don't get to CNN or Fox until you get to now this or NTD TV. Um, so, and then you get into CNN and Fox. So, anyway, I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Do you know who PewDiePie is? If you're going to be an investor in 21st century media and digital entertainment, you better. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing more. Hopefully you enjoyed this content. Let me know either way, Rob at RobBlackShow.com. I'll do anything you ask me to. I'm your financial guru.